is magical. Welcome to Magic Monday. I'm Tess Whitehurst, spiritual author and spiritual teacher. And I'm Natasha Levenger, energy healer, energy reader, and spiritual coach. And this is a podcast about all the ways we experience and use the magic of the universe in our everyday lives. It sure is. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Oh, boy. We, what a, Yeah, go ahead. We have Kimberly George on the show today, oh, Dr. Yes. Kimberly George. Oh, such such a, a cool talk we had yes. We Yeah. Oh, it was very... Um, I feel like it was stimulating on all the levels. Totally. Yeah. It felt yeah. it felt magical just to have that conversation. I felt yes. like it was elevated in some yes. way. Um, you guys are going to love it. Yeah. So um, this is usually, if you're new to the pod, where we discuss what happened last week and see if it aligned with the cards. Do you the remember? cards that we drew because we draw cards at the end of every podcast. We sure do. So last week, you drew Wheel from Lightseer's Tarot, mm-hmm. and I drew Soften the Edges oh, from gosh. Magic of Flowers Oracle, <laughs> which, yeah, you're, you, I feel like that one must really resonate with you. Yeah, well, um, Tess has been to the future where the interview took place, yes. and she knows that I cried during the interview, which longtime listeners may know I hardly ever cry. But now that I'm taking this somatic healing class um, with Luis Moica, um, I am now crying more. I cried actually throughout the – I cried yesterday. It's just been really a lot of crying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, Have you been enjoying it more? Because yeah. I know you didn't like it before. Well, I found it annoying. I still don't yeah. love doing it in public, like on the podcast. I I was like, I didn't want to stop it because I'm trying to allow my body to do whatever it needs to do. Yeah. But I also feel like, what am I, just going to be crying all the time now? Is oh, this just going to so be? Oh, so you're not totally loving it. <laughs> well, when in... I cry a lot, yeah. I like it. You do. Okay. I do, because I feel like it means I'm connected. <laughs> like, it means, yeah. like, oh, I'm feeling, oh. like, it seems appropriate to me oh, to, to be, be crying, crying. Yeah. all the time, even though, I mean, I don't at all do that. <laughs> but when I do cry, I'm like, yeah, this is an appropriate response to the mystery of life and the oh, beauty of life, you know? Okay. <laughs> but no, this the is way not you how looked you at feel. me afterwards. Like, okay. <laughs> um <laughs> No, I do feel that. That's why I'm letting myself cry. Good. Because I'm feeling like, for instance, yesterday, I'm basically dethawing. Like, I essentially yes. was in freeze mode my whole life because yeah. of how I grew up. And <clears throat> and I'm noticing a lot less tension in my body, which is so interesting. I can sense it. Like, really? I can see well, it I'm and feel it. To you. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, but, like, yesterday, for instance... One of my daughters was having a freak out, and normally when this happens, I real I I mean I just like, uh, in my body brace myself. I yeah. I essentially really go into freeze. I, you know, like I'm just like okay, you know, shut. Mm-hmm. But Brett was dealing with her, so I went upstairs and I was like laying down I was like I guess I'm just gonna let my where is my body feeling and then I just started crying uh, 
I didn't even, I mean, it was, <laughs> I guess I still do have a thing about crying. I'm like, what? Crying? <laughs> Who crying. is this? <laughs> well, the reason I'm surprised is because I didn't feel sad. You know, mm-hmm. like when she was doing that, it's not like I was like, oh, I'm sad. I was more mad. But but my body was, it was like a release from holding on to that tension, I think. Yeah. And then the and there other- probably was some sadness there too, I bet. Yeah, yeah. And then the other part of it is like, I've been crying because I just noticed like, like I haven't felt my legs in years, it turns out. Like, I just couldn't sense them, really, if I really thought about it. And so when I do, like, a little bit of letting go, I realize, like, oh, my God, they haven't been seen. Like, this is all, like, me not being seen by my mother and my father, but really mostly hers where the abuse was and or most of it. And so, like, not being seen is the thing that's really making me cry a lot. Like, oh, my God, I'm feeling seen. And it's sad that I wasn't seen as a kid. Yeah. But just feeling that in general, like, I feel like when I tune into my body more than I was before, I often will cry. Just because it's like, oh, like, it just feel there's just some kind of, like, release or relaxation. Yes, or the release. Like, it, a con- connection, a sense of connect, deeper connection yes. that yeah. is maybe there's stored emotion there, but I think it's also like, oh, wow, life is really, like, there's a lot to be emotional about. Mm, yeah. For me, your body, I think you know? currently it's the stored stuff because I yeah. haven't felt anything in my body. Wow. Although, I mean, I am a feeling person. I basically just am feeling as opposed to that's so true. I mean, I think too, but most, but I feel all the feelings, so it is weird. I, I don't understand it. It just in wasn't some ways. Kind of, like somehow there was a like a some disconnection from the body. I think you yeah. you've known that. Yeah, yeah. I just am so connected to my energy field, but and my emotions, but like the body was just like it felt kind of like <clears throat> crying, like an after. Like I don't even need this thing. <laughs> You know, yeah. like, what's the point of this body? Like, I'm already right. feeling yeah. and I'm already sensing God, essentially, and my guides and people. And well, I don't really need anything else. Yeah. Um. But the other the last thing I'll say is, like, also, that's how I felt about food for a long time. Like, ugh, food's annoying. Um. Until I started really enjoying it. Which is when I, and I opened up more when I, when I I opened up more because I was happy and then I started liking food. So that's interesting. Oh, that's cool. But I remember one time when I was like 14 feeling anger, like I was really mad at my mom and I could feel my anger in my legs. Like I was just coursing through with anger in my legs and I was noticing them and I feel like that's the last time I felt my legs. Wow. Interesting. But now you do again. Now I now again. I'm fe- it's like they're waking up. Yeah. Oh, that's gotta be really intense. Yeah. That's it doesn't amazing. feel like too much. And I think that's because of all the other work I do. Like I think because I have such strong inner parent, inner child mm-hmm. relationship. That it feels like I feel safe now to experience this and I feel very supportive from within and I feel like I know what to do with it, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not just like, oh my God, my body's waking up, help, yeah. you know? It yeah. feels like, oh, my body's waking up and I am and I know how to support it. So it's came, yeah. it came at a good time. 
That's so cool. Yeah. I know That's it, really awesome. Yeah, it's pretty great. I don't want to talk too much, but I do want to just share this thing that happened also that is kind of, that's related to the body, but I was um, in a session with somebody and she said it was okay for me to share this. I won't say their name, but um, so they originally come, they are from an alien background. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd seen this before. Like their soul. Their soul, yeah. Yeah. They live with some – their soul is alien. Yeah, with these aliens. And, um, I mean, before they were in their body, this body. So, anyway, yeah. she was asking me about her body connection, actually, and, um, and food specifically. And the, I didn't even remember that she was from these this alien dimension, but then she immediately took me there energetically, and I was like, oh, I forgot you're from aliens. And – the aliens were showing me how they eat, and it was so interesting and informative that I wanted to share it here. Oh, how do they eat? Oh, it's so interesting. Okay, so what she what they showed me was that, like, it doesn't even – like, they can't really taste the food. It's not even about the food. They're just, like, these little teeny morsels, but it's the rhythm. Like, they do this thing with their bodies so that they're, like, using their whole selves – as they eat, so they go like up and down, kind of like a woodpecker, and it's, and they it's like like they make this kind of noise. It's like oh. like it's like a rhythm that happens when they eat, so that their whole body gets engaged. So that oh, they so it's like a nourishment. It's like a way of recharging. Yes. It's wow. like a nourishment, but there is minerals in there. There's like oh. there's things in it. It just doesn't matter what it tastes like. Because it's like they're feeding their bodies and the way they harvest it, I'm just getting this now, I didn't even tell her this, is part of the whole thing too. Like it comes from this deep well of like some muddy thing anyway. Um, but it's the rhythm and the the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's like – it really, because you know how you can eat so mindlessly and you're not engaging your whole body, but it's almost like dancing while they're eating. Like it's like, mm. it helps them absorb it. That's the thing. It helps them absorb the nutrients by being so connected to their whole bodies. Wow. That is so interesting. And so what, is it, is this, yeah. this is obviously a particular species yes, of alien. Yes, that's right. Okay. And they were also telling me that the thing about humans now is, we're so disconnected. There's so little actual nutrients in our food that it's we're so disconnected from it that we're hardly really getting much from our food and that we really want to try to get food that is from good soil that actually has nutrients so that because the nutrients give our body information. More, oh, even, right. Oh, I have actually tuned into that before. You have? That, that there's like encoded. Yeah. Like, yes. like, um, in in raw food, I feel like there's a spirit. There's like an actual sort of like spirit energy, like in yeah. fruits and vegetables. But yeah, in in breath too, in air, like in coding. Mm-hmm. It, when I think when breathing or 
eating are mindful, then we can actually absorb yes, more that's, than just, yeah, I have felt that. Just like what they do. They're very yeah. mindful. It's like they're, they're eating. It's like, okay, now we're eating. You don't like, you don't do other things. You don't talk right. to people. You don't, you just like do your, this very mindful. And that, yeah. And that these nutrients, getting nutrient rich minerals yeah. and foods like gives our bodies more information even than we think. But you know what? I think also that being grateful and mindful, like uh, putting attention, I mean, blessing your food or also thinking about like thinking about the process of it growing or being prepared, like those things I think actually open up, unlock nutrients, like they allow you to absorb it more deeply. I I think I'm a naturally mindful eater because I don't Mm. like eating and watching things or eating and reading. Like I can't. Like I sometimes will try to eat while I'm watching something and I'll be like, I have to turn this off. I can't do both at the same time. That's how I am with um, chocolate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm basically only chocolate. I used to really feel like I needed to be alone when I would eat like a brownie. I yeah. couldn't, I didn't want to, anyone to even see me eat it. I just wanted to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've had that before. But yeah, with regular food, that's good. So I thought it was just so fascinating. That is really interesting. Yeah. There's a lot to learn from some of those guys. Yeah. And what about you and your week? You know, I have that um, moon planner, the, yeah. what is it called? Moon, uh, moon wisdom moon club. wisdom club planner from goddess yeah. provisions <laughs> and i've been recording information about my day and how i feel and that's been really fun but if i do look back over the last week it's all been very boring <laughs> Is that right? there, are, <laughs> there hasn't been anything super interesting <laughs> that has been going on but i will say mm-hmm. that um that I have been feeling like a lot of joy like that. I feel like the wheel, the Lightseer's Tarot, um, it was about luck and good energy, which I feel like this week I have been feeling like I'm even more c- coming into deeper balance and harmony with my body and um, and the soften the edges. I feel like I've been letting myself rest more and oh, it's good. been great. So not super exciting stuff but it has been in alignment with the cards i would say yeah what have you been working on something do you put that in your book like, like are you work that's what like, i mean like you have no been, oh. there hasn't really been anything i mean i have been being kind to myself i've been doing my mirror meditation oh, I've, it's good. been it's, it's been more like of that it's not like when a, when some kind of big thing to be healed comes up and yeah. like, oh it's I learned I discovered that you know it hasn't been like that but yeah it has been ongoing like getting yeah. deeper into self love and self approval just like really enjoying being myself I feel like <sighs> I have I, and a lot That's of the podcast great. listeners have really helped with this because I've been getting messages from people about my work or about the podcast and I've been like thank you like I've been letting myself bring it in and feel joy for it and believe it and so that's been part of it that's really big I love that all right well that was the recap and now yep. it's time for <laughs> for me to tell you guys about my pendulum workshop. This is coming Yay. up on April 29th. I'm going to teach a workshop on Zoom, a live workshop um, on how to use the pendulum 
And all the many things I've learned about this over my many years of using the pendulum throughout the day, um, I'm really excited to kind of like crystallize all the stuff I've learned and help get you started on um, working with the pendulum in a deep, empowering, healing way. So you can learn about this class at TessWhitehurst.com. Just go to the shop. Okay, great. I'm really excited for it. Thanks. Yeah, me too. Um, and you can also treat yourself by getting yourself a goddess provisions box if you want one, which I think you do. It has so <laughs> much great stuff. This Moon Wisdom Club planner that we were talking about before um, was from Goddess Provisions, and that's been really great. It's velvety. Um, it's velvety, and it also just gives you little bits of information, like just you know, to sum up what's been going on for me. Yeah, it's just really helpful. Also, like, for instance, we're coming up on a new moon, and then you can mm -hmm. look back and see what was I planning the last new moon? Where mm -hmm. was I there? And like, what do I want to do for the next new one? Anyway, you've got five, I think it's like six or seven um, full size, great things in each box, like crystals and incense holders and the, uh, there's a stained glass um the last one's a stained glass um eye evil eye I thing that picture so of that it looks it. so oh my great God. it's hanging right now in my office um so also they're vegan cruelty free they plant a tree for every box sold and you get to support the podcast so it's a real winsies all around and you can find it on our Instagram page or on our website, magicmoneypodcast.com. There's a little banner on the side that you can click. And we really appreciate your support. Yeah. And also, speaking of support, we would really appreciate it if you would write us a review on yes, Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. It's super helpful um, for helping people find us. And yeah. also... If you if you want to call us, oh, ask yeah. us a question. Oh yeah, the if you want to ask us a question, you just call 828-333-7181. We really also, love those questions. Yeah, we do. We're going to answer some today. And you mm -hmm. can also uh, email us a question. Go to test. Oh, no, sorry, magicmondaypodcast.com. <laughs> And click ask a question. You could go to Tess Whitehurst and tell her that you could you could it's go for the to, podcast. But yeah. it's more efficient to just go to magicmondaypodcast.com. Um, okay, so we're so excited to have Dr. Kimberly George on today. Dr. Kimberly George specializes in the intersections of contemplative and creative practices, feminist and critical race theory, and decolonial trauma studies. She studied religion and gender at Yale University and ethnic studies at UC San Diego among her five programs of graduate work. She is the founder of the Feminism School, which opens the enclosures of academia by offering people around the world graduate level self-study courses and feminist leadership trainings. Her deepest passion is not only her own creative work, but collaborating with other creatives who dare to imagine and thus help us all perceive the possibilities of a just and flourishing world. Okay, so we are very excited to be here with Dr. Kimberly George and um, we connected on Instagram, and I don't remember specifically exactly what the post was, but basically you were taught, and you will um, clarify whatever it is I'm saying if it's wrong, but um, 
talking about narcissism in the health and wellness industry, specifically with women. Um, um, and it was just so fascinating, especially because we've been really, um, especially Tess has been, well, we're both upset about it, but I was going to say like specifically a lot of people who have gone <laughs> QAnon. I mean, we're both upset, but you Tess were more- is really upset about QAnon. No, we're both upset. Both. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm more upset than you. No, no, it's not that. It's just you were, I think you had more like relationships with people mm. or like not like were that I'm, that I was less familiar with. Right, that have right. Gone that it was more route. personal. Yeah, that's right. That's mm -hmm. all I meant. Originally, actually, it was more personal for me because there was people I knew and and that was really devastating. Anyway, I've taken a turn. The point is that <laughs> <laughs> um, you were talking, Kimberly, about it and it was really fascinating to me how you were, what you had to say. So um, if you could just, um, yeah, talk a little bit about that. Sure. So I went back and I looked at our posts that we first um, met each other. And I think I was trying to find my words to describe a, a power relation that I was seeing in the social media space. And I was calling it narcissism. And it had a lot to do with how within patriarchy and also white supremacy. So these are power relations. There are different hierarchies. There's hierarchies of masculinity and there's hierarchies of femininity. And mm. I saw a lot of white women with a lot of social status selling access to their social status and kind of hitting the pain points of other women. Mm. And when we talk about how patriarchy functions, we, there are also all genders perpetuate patriarchy. There's different mm. costs and different rewards. But I was seeing this hierarchy, particularly of white femininity, white uh, femininity marked upper class, able-bodied doing something that felt really narcissistic to me. So I'm not a clinician. I am trained as a therapist, but I'm not a clinician. So I'm not using the word in the same way a clinician would right. around early childhood attachment and wounding. I'm really using it as a, a social theorist, which is the systems themselves are narcissistic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Whiteness is narcissistic. Uh, patriarchy is narcissistic. So I was trying mm -hmm. to do an analysis, but was also really nervous because I know that one of the ways patriarchy harms women is saying that we are too ambitious or that um, minimizing us, minimizing us when we feel in our power. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to be taking other women down in that way, but I did right. want to start to describe a phenomenon that I was seeing and it seemed quite, quite serious. <laughs> yeah. So, so um you said that they're touching on the pain points of other women. Could you give us an example of that? Yeah. And I also want to give credit to Kelly Deals, one of oh, yeah. the women who I've learned so much from because she talks about feminine, life, feminine lifestyle empowerment brand. Right. And that, that manipulative marketing, marketing is you're taught to touch people's pain points. So one of the pain mm. points for a lot of women is not having access to intimacy because Patriarchy makes intimacy quite difficult, yeah. including the ownership of women's labor. And so promising that this coaching product, you'll get access to intimacy and money, mm. um, but not acknowledging that so much of social media is a, is a curation of images, a curation of self-promotion. And I'm trained to see beyond those images. That's what I do as a social theorist. <laughs> so um, 
selling us this imagery and the imagery is very marked. It's usually marked with whiteness, with able bodies, with class privilege. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's okay. Um, so without it being acknowledged that that's what those images are holding. Um, so it's hitting a pain point. And it's yes. also saying, if you have the $25,000 to invest in my program, you too can have access to this right. social status. And what I was seeing is people were calling it feminism. They were calling it uh, women's empowerment. And to me, it was a particular kind of white neoliberal faux feminism. Yeah, I loved, I my friend, our friend, Melissa Tipton told me about Kelly Deals. And then I checked out her site and I sent yeah. it to Natasha. And and is this all new to you? It seem all new to you, Natasha. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember I sent you. It was the one where she talks about, um, I just loved her site. She talked about, um, she like made something visible to me that had bugged me before, but I hadn't mm. really like been able to name it. And it was, I mean, there were many things, but one of them was how women who are selling wellness um, on Instagram are posting all these pictures of themselves in all these different outfits oh, all the time. And me. and then like pictures of them with their boyfriend and or their <laughs> husband. And then it says like, oh, this is the chief masculinity officer of my like it was oh it's just God. so gross. But the the <laughs> outfit thing, like I was like, yeah, men don't do that. Men would never like I yeah. a man is sadly, I mean. I don't want to say men would never, there probably are some who do, but, but it's just not like you wouldn't assume that they would be posting, like saying I'm selling this product and now here I am in a suit and here I am in a bathing suit and here I am, you know, in a, in my bathrobe. I mean, it's just, it was very like objectifying yourself. Yeah. Yeah, It's been asked to fit ourselves into a commodity that sells and Kelly's work is really deep and really profound. So I, I recommend people you know, go to her site. And if, if you can, um, she makes a lot of things quite accessible. Um, take her classes because she has a, a really great analysis. And this does intersect the narcissism of the diet industry. Yeah. <laughs> and, and trying to dissociate women from our bodies and, try, yes. and trying to minimize us. So on the one hand, I don't want to call women narcissistic and enforce this patriarchal script where we are minimized through, um, being critiqued for being ambitious or wanting to be visible or wanting to be successful running a company. But the greater problem is this whole structure is minimizing, is minimizing a huge diversity of people who don't fit that very particular script of social privilege that looks a certain way, usually has whiteness and able bodies and thin bodies um, at the center. And that is a huge problem. I mean, I work with so many women who are so dissociated from their bodies because they've been told their whole life their body is shameful or bad. And so this is so harmful. And I do think there's a a core narcissistic energy that perpetuates this kind of manipulation of of others. Yeah. Well, I also, just as you're talking, it occurred to me that that patriarchy and what you were just talking about too specifically can create narcissism in women. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Lynn Lynn Layton's work, for those who want to read on this, she's a relational psychoanalyst. She was one of the feminist uh, clinicians who really made that intervention in the 80s. Yes, it it absolutely does. Yeah. We adapt to that environment. 
Yeah. Right. And yeah. also like, that's the model that we have for marketing. Like that's what I was talking yes. to Melissa about yeah, was like too, yeah. that before she said, before she saw Kelly Deal's site that she was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is just what you do. Like, and, and <laughs> yeah. I, you know, this is how you promote, we wear an outfit and put a certain lighting on and, you know, take <laughs> or whatever, or tell people, yeah, yeah you're going to have this great relationship. If you take my course, it's like, And then when, so it's not like people are necessarily narcissistic when they're doing this. They're just kind of like following the script of what they've seen. But also just like from what I have observed with what narcissism is on a energy level, I guess, Mm -hmm. and behavioral level is a way of protecting yourself by, um, oh, if I look a certain way or or achieve a certain thing, then I'm okay. Right. and it's like a protective measure if I'm just this thing, but it ends up being all about it, it. It's narcissism. And that is perpetuated by the patriarchy, by all of the, yeah. these things that are I telling feel- us we have to be. A, and also that we have to achieve everything, but then also don't just be at home. You know, there's just so many. Yeah. I feel that, like I can really relate to that because that was part of why I got so obsessed with dieting and exercising like too much, like too obsessed was when I started doing videos on YouTube. And I think I just felt uh, self-conscious and yeah. I wanted to feel safer. And that yes. was like a way of Feeling helping safer. myself feel less self-conscious. Yeah. Protecting. Yeah. But it was less vulnerable and I was less connected. It was, Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't Mm -hmm. really what I wanted, but it was, it was a defense mechanism. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate this kind of um, nuancing of this point of the conversation, because something I've been learning from one of the participants at uh, feminism school, which is the school I run, April um, Freeman, she's been, I've been working closely with her and she's given me permission to cite her. She talks a lot about how we adapt to our environment and our adapting is actually a superpower. That's what we do. We know how to adapt, but the problem is we have these toxic environments that we're adapting in to survive. And so we actually have to create a different collective environment. It's not just, it's not an individual feminism. It's, we have to create a different collective, which honestly Kelly does really authentically and beautifully. (laughs) She helps create a different environment so that we can live different Mm. values. But I do want to say, I think one of the things I had written in my original post that connected us, Natasha, was, um, are, you know, are we afraid our gifts will not be valued if we don't deliver them through the tunnel of narcissistic power? Yeah. Are we afraid we'll be minimized if we practice other forms of marketing or leadership? So we just want to do, you know, a class analysis on this, because if you're, you know, a single mom with three kids to feed that night and you need to sell your product and you have access to a, you look a certain way that will help sell the product and you really need enough cash to pay your rent that month. You know, who am I to say you shouldn't do that? That's wrong. You need to eat. So the problem is the system that says this is women's access to Mm. resources. And so the solution is creating communities where we actually share and distribute resources. Mm. Yeah. How do we do that? (laughs) Well, we're doing that now in a way, right? Because we're, mm-hmm. we're, we're naming it. We're making mm-hmm. it visible. Okay, good. That's, that's right. <laughs> yes, and we're solving this. We're, we're fixing it all. <laughs> well, the naming invisibility, I mean, and here I'm going to do kind of a social theorist move and it's going to take yeah. us back like a couple layers, but I just think okay. it's important. If you have a society based on conquest, 
and enslavement mm-hmm. and exploitation of people's labor, which mm-hmm. is what we have in the context we are recording this from the United States. This is a settler colonial society. Mm-hmm. We've um, white colonizers have taken over the land. And then you have a capitalist system that's largely dependent on the exploitation of the labor of people of color and women of color and poor people. Everything in that energetic structure is based on hierarchy and scarcity. Hierarchy mm. yeah. needs the fabrication of scarcity. Yeah, That's an idea I get from Amanda Flaker's work. Mm. And so uh, my solution to everything as a feminist social theorist is let's create communities where we share resources of all kinds, not just money, but money is one, because if we're mm-hmm. not living in scarcity and deprivation, then we won't need to be targeted in these ways yeah. by this abuse. And we'll, we'll realize there's other routes to routes to getting our needs met. And people are trying to survive. Like people are literally trying to survive and like pay rent and have enough food on the table. That is so yeah. many people's reality. So even as I talk about wanting to interrupt these scripts, we can't just do it individually. Oh yeah. So support each other. I mean, I think that I definitely feel motivated to do that, to support my friends and colleagues who are doing something similar that I am. Yeah. Um, Is that how, do you have a vision for what that would look like? sharing resources so that we're yeah. not as susceptible. Yeah. yeah, I do. And I, in the courses I teach, I'm really asking us to develop a feminist economy and to imagine mm. what a feminist economy would even look like, because what we're describing this kind of narcissistic energy is not a feminist economy, even if it calls itself feminism, it's neoliberalism, it's mm-hmm. whiteness, it's patriarchy, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. able-bodiedness, it's not feminism. Feminism yeah. disrupts all of those images of mm-hmm. who's at the center of power. Mm. Um, so what I think in terms of a feminist economy is first, we need to name all the forms of labor that care and sustain the world that are usually not given a paycheck or given a low, low wage. Yeah. Mm. And we need to recognize money as one currency that we exchange, but we Mm -hmm. could, there are people who don't have money, but they have so many other resources. We could Mm -hmm. value those other resources they're bringing to the table. There are people who have a lot of money who could put that money in distribution in their communities. So um, we can give specific examples of what, I'll I'll go back to Kelly Deals. You know, when I was a graduate student, obviously I didn't have money to fund a a startup of a business. Mm -hmm. She really believed in my body of work. And she marketed me to her newsletter, which she yes, had spent nice. seven years developing or maybe 12 or 15. I don't know how long right, Kelly spent, right. but she believed in the body of work and she used that resource that she had to give me. And that literally helped me eat and pay my rent to finish my PhD before the pandemic hit, oh, which was wow. huge for me because it's really hard to do high level scholarship in a pandemic. Your brain just can't think in the same way. Yes. So I will always, always tell that story about Kelly. She got yeah. me to the very end of that finish line. She didn't have to, she just reached out, valued what I was doing, said, how can I support Kimberly? Let's yeah. get her to the end of this dissertation. Right. So that was literally feminist community. And I, and I mean it like I had food on the table. <laughs> because yeah. Kelly did that for me. It was that yeah. visceral. Yeah. yeah. And that uh, is part of the patriarchy that. is, um, is that concept. I feel like we've been raised with it. We've seen it in a million things is like 
that women are in competition with each other. Yeah. We all want to be the prettiest. We all want to be the richest or whatever, the coolest. Yeah. And yeah. so we can't, we don't like competition, but when we support each other, it's a really different energy. Yeah. It feels, I mean, very Aquarian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't mean to take this to a different level, but do you know what your sun, moon, and rising sign? Oh, yeah. I, I knew you were going to ask me this. <laughs> okay. I knew. I, did. I was like, Mom, can you get on my birth chart? Oh, great. Um, but, but we've had this conversation, but we don't know where it is. So um, oh, I do not know. I I, okay. I know you need this information about me. I knew What's you would. What's your sign? You know your signs. I'm, I'm Scorpio. This is all I know. Uh, no, oh. I think I was born at like... Oh. Enough information that we could figure it out after. <laughs> I'll be looking it up after. Okay. Um, anyway. Um, okay. And the other thing that we had talked about, you had mentioned something about healing, using feminine texts for healing. Do you remember? Yeah. So where I see healing as a part of the process of the work of feminists for mothers. So what is healing? So if we're talking about this healing industry, how does that compare or contrast with what I see and the work of feminists? Mm-hmm. Is that the question? Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> well, maybe I want to make sure I'm hearing no, you No, right, I like that question. <laughs> but do you want to re-ask yours so that I'm listening? Oh, no, no, I think that you heard it. I just, I actually didn't remember fully because, so you had mentioned using I think you just had mentioned using feminine texts to support healing. And I didn't know what you meant by that. And I wanted to know what you meant. So I think that women are largely cut off from the history of women's contributions intellectually and spiritually. And women's intellectual history is not disembodied. It's not how we think of the rationalist, masculinist, white paradigm Mm. of knowledge. It's integrated. I mean, Audre Lorde's really famous feminist essay uses of the erotic is all about how knowledge from a black feminist perspective connects the mind and the body and the spirit and Mm -hmm. feminists have always made that intervention because to critique patriarchal knowledge you have to critique what is knowledge so this idea that knowledge was just the head this platonic ideal or rationalism is not a feminist idea of knowledge so a feminist idea of knowledge is about integration and um Gosh, that makes me teary. Oh, <laughs> it really does. Oh, boy. Okay. Ah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Natasha's not a crier, so that's why I'm so excited. That's that all changed this week. Oh, actually. it's been changing. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> but it really does because, because uh, that actually brings up my mother who was a narcissist who was extremely intellectual extremely cerebral that was all she valued for knowledge and um and I think I am very emotionally intelligent (laughs) and um but I was never valued it was just you know and she was in some ways a feminist in that she was very she And and actually, I'm thinking about this in a patriarchal viewpoint, because she was very motivated for to um, succeed professionally. Um, But anyway, so she that was just uh, how she valued it. So hearing that like feminists actually value the whole self is really beautiful to me. And yeah, Natasha, you are emotionally a genius. 
thank you. Off the charts. It's it's (laughs) excruciating when your way of knowing has been so violently devalued from such a young age. And I'm, and I do think, obviously, I don't know your mom's story or what she was living out, but I do think there's a lot of replication of the models we've been given. So women will replicate this patriarchal model. Yeah. Um, which is a different conversation, but what I mainly just want to say and giving witness to what you just narrated and what you experienced is that what I hope for when people study feminist foremothers is that we're not, we think we're studying gender or race or class or colonialism, because these are all the categories we need to work with, but we're actually studying whose knowledge gets to matter in the world, mm. whose knowledge is valued is valued back to them yeah. as powerful and meaningful. And that is the place where people start to grieve really deeply because they mm. realize, wait, I, there was nothing that mirrored back to me. This is such a, this was devalued yeah. in this hierarchy. And it's one of the hardest parts about being a scholar in these spaces is it is easy because of the wounding people have experienced for people to assume that knowledge is just that rationalist mm-hmm. model, but that's not what I see in the texts of women I study. So it's trying to communicate mm-hmm. that and trying to build that bridge. And this yeah. does connect to the question about healing deeply. Yeah. I mean, this is because if you can be fully integrated into all of who you are and all of the ways that you know and perceive and sense in the world mm-hmm. I mean that's a very healing space it's a reclaiming of ourselves totally yes yes so how do you see that in the text you are you saying you see like the whole person or what do you mean well because the so Gloria Anzaldúa I'll just in, invoke her again um you might like her text light in the dark she she's most famous for borderlands which came out in 87 but she talks about how these power relations from colonialism to whiteness to heteropatriarchy fragment us and that her idea is that pieces of ourselves are so unsafe in the world that the pieces of our soul actually have to leave because we're not safe here (laughs) i mean it's mystical and that we have to call the soul back you have to call the pieces Mm -hmm. of yourself back into integration because they left because it wasn't safe (laughs) that that is really interesting that you just said that i got goosebumps because i was thinking about my grandma cece who she was so like uh, such a businesswoman. Like she took my, my family had a family business, the funeral chapel, and she just like ran it. And she was just such a like badass businesswoman in World War II. She was an airplane mechanic, but she was also very feminine. But I was thinking like, while you were talking before that, I was like, yeah, I never really picked up on emotional intelligence with her. It was Mm -hmm. more like a real, like she had a feminine aspect, but it wasn't, she wasn't like a cookie baking grandma or a like cozy grandma in any way. <laughs> she was a real badass. And, um, and that I can really see that. I can imagine that she just locked that down or she abandoned mm, yeah. oh, those aspects. Yeah. 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 Same with my mom for yeah. sure. It wasn't safe for her to feel things. Yeah. That's why it was so threatening for her. I think when I, would feel things and she was very threatened by feel that she could tell I could feel what she was feeling. <laughs> that yeah. was the most threatening oh, of all. Right. Yeah, that she felt way too seen by me. Yeah. 
and that she had to shut that down. Yeah. So there's an idea I teach around this. I'm just going to offer out for by way of mirroring. Yeah. Um, comes from Jean Laplante. She's a French analyst, but he mm. says, kind of rereads Freud, but he does this thing where he says, as a baby, your body is taking in the other's other. So the other's other is the unconscious of your caregiver. Like they, they don't know how to integrate it, but your body at a somatic level is taking it in. I think for those of us who um, identify as empaths or have a lot of different sensory experiences that don't necessarily fit within to the folklore of the five senses, which anthropologists themselves say that's folklore. There are so many more senses than Uh, the five senses. Like that's Uh a, that model is a colonial model. (laughs) So I know that blew my mind too. When I really integrated that, that that's actually a colonial model that there's only five senses. So um, the word is sensorium. Our sensoriums are culturally specific. So if you are somebody who I describe it like I've got a thousand antennae on me. I'm taking in a lot. And somebody's yeah. looking at you and has to shut that information down, has mm. to shut that knowledge down because it's too threatening to yeah. them. I mean, that's such a deep form of erasure. Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, are you just trying to make me cry left and right here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be only crying from now on. <laughs> It's really amazing that you're saying that now, because that's exactly what I have been coming to just this week with this somatic healing that I've been doing. That's the thing I've really been noticing is, oh my God, I've been feeling how much I haven't been seen. Mm. So that's why it's been so emotional. And I'm crying all the time. Beautiful. Yeah. I don't like it so much in public, but (laughs) I hope that, that, that you're able to feel it is indicating that there's resources and love and community right now to help you. Like, I think sometimes we, it's the timing is connected to when we have what we need, I think, Mm. (laughs) to be able to do it because it's so scary. Yeah, Uh, yeah. that's true. Yeah, I do feel that's part of why yeah you're right why I'm able to feel it yeah support and community are so important yeah I think there are previous generations of women and who had to survive yes that's what they could do yes and we have inherited what needs to be healed yeah and it's so much labor but the conditions wow. of patriarchy and white supremacy and colonialism are so violent yeah. and survival is what a lot of people just need to do to get through the day. So there isn't, I, I go back to what I said about, we are adapting to try to survive. Right. Right. And so I wonder, and I don't, and maybe this sounds too grandiose, but I wonder if we're at a moment of change and shift right now where we, we can, I don't even have the language for it. Oh, Gloria Anzaldua talks about it is like revolution and evolution. She puts the words mm. together and uses a parentheses, but are we at a point where we can start to name yeah. these histories? 
Ah, oh, that's so beautiful. Because this reminds me, our last two guests, we talked about ancestor magic, uh, about yes. vener ancestor veneration. And I've been now for the past couple of weeks, lighting candles for my grandmas and my grandpas and tapping into them. And this just like, this is so connected to that. Yes. To just see. And I love how you said that, like generations, so many generations of women who just needed to survive, not, they didn't have the space to, or the support to express the fullness of all their senses and all their intuitions. It just wasn't there. Yeah. And it gives you more empathy or it gives me more empathy for people like my mom, you know, yeah. that that's how she was growing up. Right. So she me too. What could she, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <sighs> could, could I just add a piece here around men's socialization with this too? Because yeah. I believe there's a lot of men who are deeply sensitive and empathic, yes. but there is no way they could survive past like five years old in this world yes. with those capacities because of what patriarchy demands of them at such oh. a young age. Mm. And also, if you think about the history of war and how we sent, we have historically sent so many men off to fight these wars for nation states and empires, and they come back you know, totally traumatized yeah. and there's nothing in society that, so um, Susan Faludi's done some work around that. So there's a reason people can't live into the fullness of their soul yeah. <laughs> here in this dimension. Yeah, yeah. So how I'm do glad we... you named that too. Yeah, that yeah. makes me think of my brother. Yeah. I think of my dad. I mean, my poor yeah. dad, he's so sensitive and he just like is complete. He's going to be 90 this year. And he's still, I'm so always so surprised how committed he is to being cut off from his feelings. Yeah. Like, it just feels like it would have to take commitment to be like yeah. that. But he had, I mean, he had a terrible childhood. I mean, he survived, like he was in England during, we're Jewish and it was during the you know, second world war, he had to be shipped off uh, and to be safe. And then his mother was terrible and he had to take care of his sister. I mean, so much and that it was being asked of him and then my mother. <laughs> so it's just like, yeah, I feel, so, I can feel his, I used to have a picture of him as a baby or like a little boy. Cause I was just like, that's my dad. Like I could oh, feel it, yeah. you know, his yeah. sweet little soul, but he just can't feel any feelings. And it's really sad. Yeah. <sighs> that's, I think, I mean, thank you for sharing um, this really significant part of your family's history. And I just want to say in terms of resources of support, um, Jewish feminists are amazing. And um, this is a whole other conversation about, but a lot of times when we talk about white feminism, we're not actually talking about the, the complexity of the history because um, there's just an incredible body of reflection by Jewish feminists about mm. both the shifting nature of race and racialization, because if you're one generation from racial genocide of the Holocaust, mm -hmm. but then you come into whiteness in the United States, right? Um, oh yeah, you, you know a lot about the shifting nature of race. But to having wow. to connect at an ancestral level and also do the social social theory work, you know that you've been hearing me do mm -hmm. to bring together the 
there's so there's an essay by Adrian Rich called Split at the Root. Mm. It's um, working out her whiteness and her Jewishness and heteropatriarchy. Oh, wow. And it was published in 1984. And I assign it and she talks about how hard it is to name, how hard it is to grieve. And the first couple sentences of the essay are, are just all about the reasons why it's impossible to write this essay. Mm. And it's it's because we're trying to name something that to survive needed to not be named for yeah. at least a right. couple of generations. So yeah. they did this work in the eighties and it's extremely powerful. And the reason why I'm saying this is because there are, well, I'll just get sort of mis- mystical about it. I believe that women foremothers are with us and support us energetically. Yeah. So you're not just reading their text. You're actually I mean, Gloria Ansel Dua is like with me, like yeah. she, just, she yeah, connects me to people and like, she's, nice. she's with me. So, oh, you know, it, it's more than a, just when you connect to the text, you're actually, it's, it's a conduit and a portal to uh, their, their presence. And there is presence that can support and mirror back, I think. Ah, wow. beautiful. Oh, this has been such a cool conversation. I've uh, loved it. I loved it. She was very <laughs> emotional. <laughs> So, um, so I don't Kimberly, think I'll get, oh. I, I was sorry, yeah. I was just going to make a joke about, I don't think I'll get <laughs> as emotional with John the Scorpio next oh, week. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're talking to him next week. Um, maybe you will, you don't know. It's possible. Um, but so Kimberly, where can people find you? Yeah. Oh, we didn't even talk about how you left Instagram and I was oh, trying to know about that. Next next time. Yeah. I'm trying to reclaim some pieces of myself right now. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's been a bit easier being away from that con- the flood of content. And yeah. so the place to find me is www.feminismschool.com. And there's a newsletter. I don't send a ton of newsletters, but I do lead classes and cohorts and we'll be doing season two of my podcast at writing feminist life together. Maybe mm. you can come on that oh, show. We can yeah. up. So there are ways to sing communication. I am, you know, it's really hard to just drop into a conversation and have this much layers and presence and to also translate across our respective fields of knowledge and expertise. I'm pretty blown away by both of your presence and that's a credit to mm your capacity to be present and <laughs> and everything that that means thank so you. that's so nice thank you yeah appreciate that well thank you so much for being here thank you okay we hope you like that as much as we did so great and in case you're curious what i meant when i was said talking about john the scorpio <laughs> This coming week, we are having um, the bachelor last year, last season's bachelor. Um, his brother is John the Scorpio, and I saw him on an interview, and he was like the opposite of a fawner. I mean, he just did not care if he <laughs> pleased people or if he didn't please people. And they were like, what are you, so what's going on? What are you about? And he's like, I'm just a rapper. I am into the occult sciences and astrology. And they were like, the occult sciences? They had no idea what he was talking about. And he didn't care that they didn't know what he was talking about. So I reached out to him and he was like, yeah, I'd love to talk about that stuff. So he'll be on next week. And I'm so excited. We're so excited. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really fun.
Okay, so now we're going to answer some questionies, as I like to call them. We did have a voicemail, and we really appreciate your voicemail last week, Jill, but we pretty much answered it. Um, like in it the was energy like, report. Yeah. It was basically what other people were experiencing. So I talked about it in the energy report. Okay. So we'll first start with a voicemail. Hello, Magic Monday goddesses. This is Karma, longtime listener, first time caller. Just so you know, when I dialed this number, I heard Natasha singing it to me in my head. It's awesome. So, I come from a long line of empaths and healers with powerful feminine energy. The adults among us have all been pulled into different helping professions, and we care really deeply about the people we've served throughout our lives. I'm calling for advice to help my sister. Her empathic sensitivity is off the charts. She's in her 30s and wise way beyond her years. She works as a hairdresser in a holistic salon, and she profoundly connects with every soul that sits in her chair. After a 50-hour work week, she's completely fried and emotionally exhausted. She's melting down and in a bucket of tears. The past year has taken a huge toll on everyone, and she's been the emotional support lifeline for her clients, her coworkers, and her family, including me. She holds it together for the world, but she's falling apart inside, and I don't know how to help her. I naturally developed the ability to protect myself from other people's harmful energy a long time ago out of self-preservation. I worked in a cancer hospital and later became a massage therapist, so it was really important for me to have those boundaries. I've tried to help her with counter-transference strategies like energy clearing, crystals, and charms, but those things aren't helping her. She's interested in meditation as an alternative to counseling, and I wondered if you might have some suggestions given your own lines of work and experience. I love her so much, and I want to see her smile again. I'm looking forward to the next podcast, ladies. I hope you stay safe, and I can't wait to hear your voices again. Take care. Okay. So we did check with Karma to make sure it was uh, okay with her sister for us to talk about this, just so everybody knows. Yeah, that, that we yeah that. yeah we didn't want to do that without making sure it was okay with her. Um, yeah. Do you want to start? Um, well, I want to start by saying that I would def. This definitely sounds like it is a situation where therapy would be appropriate because someone who is that open energetically um, and is having you know emotional issues because of it is working with somebody who like especially when you're working with people and you're touching them you're talking to them you're in their personal space i would really look for a therapist that could help to just like create uh create some systems for setting some boundaries and taking care of yourself yeah i mean i don't i not gonna i can't diagnose anybody but it does sound like codependency might be a theme in the family dynamics and i say that with peace and love peace and love um like it's karma you too seem like like you care so much about your sister and that's yes. a beautiful thing um but where it may not be helpful is taking on her pain it sounds like you both have it might be a family system situation where it's you were maybe everybody was raised to kind of take on other people's pain or to or some of you take on maybe your mother's pain. I don't know. I mean, I'm not 
I, I don't know the situation, but it sounds like that kind of like everybody responsible for everybody else's feelings dynamic of codependency is what's at play here, I would say. So, yeah. Um, what were you going to say something? Yeah, just that, yeah, therapy could be helpful with that. And it's really interesting because actually just yesterday, Ted and I were having a conversation about this with our siblings out, like that we have, we're in such similar patterns. Like we mm. come from such similar backgrounds that mm. it's not like I can really be a therapist to my brother or he can't really be a therapist. I mean, we can help our friends Mm -hmm. in often in some ways in deeper ways than we can help those that are closer to us just when it has to do with those patterns, those fundamental patterns. Because if you're both in it, you can't really help the other person get out of it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That said, I will say, yeah, what Tess said in terms of exploring boundaries, where am I responsible? Where am I not responsible? If you haven't read Codependent No More, that's a really great book to help kind of just get some clarity around where you are responsible and where you're not and you're not responsible for other people. (laughs) Even if you love them, maybe especially if you do, that's, you know, really... In this case, it's her stuff, you know, that is, and not that you can't care about her. Of course you can. Um, But that, and the same thing with your sister in terms of taking on everybody's stuff. It sounds like she has a lot of pictures about responsibility in terms of that it's her responsibility to, even if it's not a conscious thing, you know, people can't get in our space unless we allow them to on some level. And many times in speaking as a recovering codependent, it's responsibility pictures of, oh, I mean, if I don't take care of these people or take on their stuff or, or really I am responsible. That's how I was raised to be responsible for people. So there's a lot of, um, that those kind of, you have to have some kind of agreement to allow people to come into your space on some level. Um, and, but just quickly energetic tools, which I feel like we've mentioned here perhaps many times, but I'm going to say it anyway, because it's helpful, is the old vacuum is really helpful. So imagining a gold vacuum at the bottom of her feet or the bottom of your grounding cord and just in between each client. You can even do it during the, the session while she's cutting hair. She can um, vacuum out the energy, just picture that vacuum vacuuming out, putting it in front of her aura, like two feet in front of her, exploding it, allowing those people's energy to go back to them, her energy to go back to her. She can imagine like a gold fence all the way around her aura. As soon as they leave, explode the fence just gently. And this isn't mean, you know, this is just like, oh, your energy belongs with you. My Mm -hmm. energy belongs with me. Um, Especially at the end of the the night or the day, vacuum, big time vacuum. Oh, and don't forget to fill in with light afterwards. Um, I like gold light, but if you like another color, do that. Just like filling in with light after. So you're having, that's just like energetic hygiene. Mm-hmm. Um, and calling her energy back to her. Even you, she may want to also just check in throughout the time. Where's my energy right now? Like, oh, I it feels like it's way over across the room or it's like in that lady's space. Okay, I'm going to bring it back. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you feel someone else's energy, same thing. Just do that little vacuum, 
explode it. So those are things that she can do, um, anyone can do to help. Um, also saying hello to your grounding cord in present time. You can release energy down the grounding cord. That's always good. Um, but the underlying reasons of feeling the need to take on other people's problems and issues, that's something that that you all can heal. It's like that's not – and figuring that out, like that mm-hmm. it's not your responsibility. Yeah, and, you know, also since she's cutting hair but – or styling hair, but she's also doing healings. It sounds like she's also a healer. Like that. that that's an she aspect is. of her work. Well, she's not saying that, but I'm just oh. saying it seems like this is part of her gift and that like that she – there is – that dynamic happening is that she's feeling like also I think a lot of hairdressers don't you feel like that I feel like a lot of hairdressers have a kind of a mm. energy healing vibe mm. maybe that's because I live in Boulder <laughs> but <laughs> they're all energy <laughs> my hairdresser actually is the craniosacral therapist oh also. yeah um but so uh, so like when I do healing work when I do Akasha clearing or when I'm tuning in energetically to someone it is the vision I have of the dynamic is that I'm drawing upon divine healing energy. I personally am not in any way doing like the little Tess Whitehurst is not doing the healing. It's not my, mm. I even know it's not my responsibility. It's just so the image I have, like I think of energy as images often, and it's like the pillar of light coming down from infinity. Mm hmm. And then sending that out. So that's like that never it, that since I have learned how to do that, to draw upon that, it's, I'm anchored into the earth. I'm connected with infinity. Mm-hmm. Then it's like I feel energized when I do a healing. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like oh, I'm carrying this or, oh, let me get all into that person's space and no, feel all no, those feelings yeah, with them. No. I can have it's like still having compassion it's not like I'm disconnected from them, but it's more and, and there's also more of a sense of equality too. It's interesting. Instead of like I think I used to a long time ago, like mm-hmm. think that, oh I, the healer, if I go to a healer, this healer is somehow gonna take better than me. me. They're elevated, yeah. they're enlightened, and they're gonna give me all this energy and mm-hmm. then and so they probably would feel drained afterwards. But then now I realize like, no, any healer, we're all equals, we're all imperfect, yep. we're all human. We're just, it's just something that you've learned to channel this divine energy and send it out. So that even kind of seems like it could be a codependency um, pattern of kind of like yeah. untangling, like what's that divine energy flowing through and what's just me. And if mm-hmm. you're just kind of more like a channel that this energy is flowing through, it's, it's a real different vibration. Like I used to think I need all this cleansing after I did a healing. Mm-hmm. I now I might kind of like use my fingers to kind of brush my aura just make sure I'm not connected in any way but mm-hmm. I don't feel like oh I'm carrying this now you know yeah yeah well the school that I went to was very big into boundaries so almost to the point where I had like stopped talking to my guides for a little bit because they don't even All use right. guides yeah. but yeah so I totally agree with that it's just like I you make a really good point that like even when I'm in sessions, I'm totally in neutral. I'm not ever combining our energy. If it does right. happen, I do separate energy at the end, but it isn't an extensive thing. It takes like 20 seconds yeah. um, just to like clear it, just to make sure, you know, that like you said, just to have real clear energetic hygiene. Also, 
I do look at matching pictures because the idea is that whoever comes to you, there's a reason mm-hmm. for it. And so yeah. that you have something matching there. So, and that can meld your energy. So you just want to Yeah, make I was sure. going to say, yeah, I'd, so every now and then if someone it has a situation that's similar to mine, then I'll yeah. like... I'll kind of like hold on to it a little longer and right. think, oh, yeah, that was me. That's my pain. It's like, oh, wait, no, that was just. Well, it's good. Else. It's in from, again, the school that I went to, it's they say like you get a healing every time you do a oh, healing because yeah. you afterwards you look at the matching pictures and then you just de-energize them and you can see, oh, OK, that's my stuff. Right. But it at. could energize you if you do allow it to be healed. That's true. I yeah. can sense that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So anyway, that's, we should go on to the next question. Okay, next question. (laughs) Okay, this is from Laura. Hi, Natasha and Tess. I've been struggling to find a meditation practice that works for me. It's so hard to quiet my mind, which leads me to getting frustrated, and I just and I just end up giving up or never meditating. I was recommended to try mantra meditation to study my mind. Do you all have any recommendations of mantra meditations to try? Thank you so much. And I love the podcast. My sister and I listen every Monday and it's connected us at a higher level. That's nice. Ah. Um, I just want to say real quick before that um, is um, one thing I have found if my mind is super busy to do a morning pages type of thing. So to first empty out your mind just by free writing three pages or you can set a timer. It doesn't have to be that long, like three minutes where you're just like, don't edit yourself, just whatever it is. It's kind of like a brain dump and then go to try to meditate. Um, And Maybe you've already tried this, but I don't have a specific, I mean, I like the mantras where it's like, I am, I am, those kind of like, just like repeating or like satnam, that kind of thing. Um, But the meditation, when I do it that, the way I'm about to say um, that I find most helpful is to count the in-breath to 10 And then if you lose your train of thought, just do it until you get to 10 and then switch it and count the out breath to 10 and just keep switching it like that. And then you can get, and then if you want to let it go totally and go into nothing or to do like satnam, that's how, what I find helpful. I find it's really hard to just go to total quiet without doing the counting first. Yeah. What about you? you know, I am I feel like something you might want to try is um these guided meditations by Abraham Hicks. Oh. Uh that are called Getting into the Vortex. And you can mm. find them on YouTube. They're 15 minutes each. There's like a, an abundance one, there's a general well-being, there's a physical well-being, and there's a relationship well-being. And the music there's music and it's like she tells you to inhale and exhale and it's ah. like inhale to the count of three. Like if you tap into the music, you notice it's inhale for three, exhale for five. And those like those guided meditations, I feel like they're a real good um, length and that rhythm of the inhale and the out, the exhale um, and the things that kind of affirmation she's saying. And she even says it doesn't even matter if you pay attention. Like, mm. just do your best to breathe along to the music. And um, and then, you know, sometimes I pay attention more than others when I do those ones. But I don't know. I think that might 
I kind of feel like those would be a good place to start if you were having a challenge Chamba. with meditation because it yeah. is just like just put it on for 15 minutes and do your best to breathe. And you yeah. know, if you get angry, if you get annoyed, if your mind wanders, just that's do okay. the 15 minutes. That's I think that's a helpful way to think of it too. I know Thich Nhat Hanh, the Vietnamese monk who is a mindfulness meditation teacher, he said at some point I read, I mean, I'm paraphrasing this, but I read that he often gets this question from Westerners of like, mm. I really have a hard time quieting my mind. What do I do? And he said he tells them, just sit there. It doesn't matter if you, mm. you know, you don't have to do anything special. Just sit there for five minutes or 10 minutes. And I think that's a helpful way to also get into the habit of meditation is like some days you might focus, some days you, your yeah. mind might wander. Just make sure you sit there. Yeah, you know? definitely some days are harder than others. And I really think that morning pages stuff helps a lot though well yeah and even that in a way is a mindfulness meditation because you are like okay Mm -hmm. i'm making my thoughts visible i'm making them i'm bringing them to the surface i'm there's there's a rhythm to that that is also meditative Mm -hmm. that's true okay our last question today is from caitlin and i'm going to just um paraphrase it a little bit or get to the end she says hello Tess and Natasha. Um, My question is, um, what spiritual practices or tools would you suggest to aid in my search for relief from dizziness and fatigue? Um, She said, she also said she spent much of her childhood, high school and college years moving in and out of state. She's been uprooted at least a dozen times because of this. She's thinking that her grasp on grounding has waned and might contribute to why she feels so dizzy all the time. However, um, and then she said she's doing a lot of like supplements and drinking water. And however, there's still much a feeling of heavy fog in her head and energy that has yet to lift. And that Um, she's been to many doctors. Yeah, I was going to say that too. She's been to many doctors and also we are not doctors. Yes. So we will answer this question from a point of not being doctors. Of being new age podcasters. That's right. (laughs) That's where it's coming from. Um, Um, Do you want to go first? No, No? you you go first. So, you know, I was first, like, as I just read that, I did have a sense. And I also just want to say I will recommend things and – to just be aware of that it's not your fault. So like, even as I'm saying this, it's like, I do think there's tools that could help, but like, um, to not be like, oh, I created this and, you know, like, it's my fault kind of thing. Um, so anyway, just wanted to make sure I didn't spiritually bypass anybody. So, um, one thing I did kind of tune into when you were saying uh, about the moving is there might be, um, some fear about grounding fully. Um, I think there is some fear about really fully grounding. And when I looked at your grounding cord, it felt almost like it, there was like a little like narrow passageway. So it's like it couldn't get all the way down. Almost like there's something, this little thing inside the grounding cord that makes it smaller than it needs to be. So yeah, I think you were probably right on about that grounding and that if you want to imagine it opening up and again, I love the vacuum, vacuuming out any fear, anything that's in there. 
um, releasing it into the earth and then grounding into present time. And also if there is fear, putting it in your heart, loving yourself for having the fear, you know, just supporting yourself with that fear. Um, and yeah, I mean, when you say the stuck, there's, there's stuff stuck in there, um, in a session, I would look and see what is that. But if you're aware of it, you can also just try the vacuum again <laughs> in your head, put it outside of your space, explode it, fill up with light. If you can tell what those patterns are that are in your head, um, you can release them, de-energize them, or just like, I mean, I'm trying to think, because like I would de-energize them, so I'm trying to think how I can tell her to do it. Just, you know, either put them in your heart by loving yourself for them. If they're, if they're difficult, if there's stuff in there that you have a hard time with, you know, opening up your heart more, having more self-compassion for that stuff and then releasing it and filling up with light. Um, yeah. What do you want to say? So three things come to mind that I would recommend that you try. One is rescue remedy. If you haven't tried that yet already, it's a flower essence blend of four flowers. Um, you put a couple drops in your water or under your tongue. Actually, I think it's four drops of that. So you could do four drops in the morning and at night for maybe try for 30 days and see what happens. And then um, it's just a general stress reliever. It's a, um, with a blend of four different flowers. Then I also suggest clutter clearing, mm. fatigue and dizziness. I feel like those remind me of the energy of overwhelm, which mm. pretty much across the board, whenever I hear anyone say overwhelm, I feel overwhelmed. Clutter clearing. It's just really important. Mm -hmm. So that if if you have any clutter to be cleared, that might be something that would help. Because I do feel like there's some stress. I mean, stress seems like it might have something to do with this to me. And then the third thing actually is past life regression or a past life meditation. Mm. Because, or a past life healing. Because I do think there might be some sort of past life trauma connected mm. to this. Hmm. Yeah, when I looked into it, it just, I mean, I don't tend to actually look into it, but it just kind of hit me anyway. Um, I was just going to say, I don't go into people's energies, even if they're writing in, but it just, it feels like it's a mother ancestor pattern or like mm. a mother, it could even be even in this lifetime mother-father dynamic situation, like family pattern, I guess is mm. what I'm picking up on. So... Yeah. Okay. So hopefully that those give you some tools to try that might be helpful. Yeah. All right. Well, now right. it's time for the energy report. Okay. <laughs> Cute. So, um, you know, there's two main themes that were coming up in the energy this week that I want to talk about and the energy report is the trend I'm feeling into for the week influenced by the last week and also the astrology a little bit, a little less astrology this week, but really what I'm feeling into, which is, it's kind of a continuation a little bit of last week in terms of the clearing out of what isn't working. I, I saw a lot of people with specifically relationships, interestingly, narcissistic relationships, that they were wanting to let go of, ready to let go of, but also that combo with ready to step into their next, like, 
I wanted to say layer of life, but next, what am I trying to say? Their next uh, phase? step, sure, step phase of life. Um, so there's two things. I mean, the the first part is just continuing to process. I would say, even if this relationship that you're wanting to let go of is within yourself, of a mean and or critic, um really allowing yourself to voice hear your inner voice about that so if and i really recommend saying it out loud when you have a loud inner critic or you're dealing with somebody who is an inner, inner critic in your life um you're and you have those feelings inside that are getting kind of muddled cuz they're getting stuck inside you from hearing it it needs to get out. It needs to move. And I keep feeling now the third chakra. So it will be helpful to like breathe light into the third chakra. Just intend to release any energy that isn't yours. Send it back to them. Fill that third chakra with light. Um, but get it out by speaking it, like really saying out loud the whatever it is the inner critic is saying to you or whatever it is the feelings are coming up from hearing somebody else. And then switching seats taking it in, like really physically move your body and put your hand on your heart, be a loving parent to yourself and take in what you just heard because that stuff is inside you. And by voicing it, it's a way to get the energy moving. It's getting the energy moving, getting it out. And that's going to help you figure out what is this next phase of my life? And what do I want to do? I've seen a number of people, it's interesting this week, who are like, I want to do this specific thing, but they're not doing it. So let's say it's like they want to write, and but they're not writing. They're just like, how am I going to write? Or they want to, you know, sing, but they're not singing. They're just like, I want this to happen. Mm-hmm. So it's like the other part of this is, the other part of moving this energy out that you don't want is to do the thing you want to be doing without waiting for permission. Yeah. So waiting for permission from your inner critic to say it's okay or from this narcissist maybe that's in your life to say it's okay. And that thing may even just be, you know, acknowledging how valuable you are, <laughs> you know, like really acknowledging it like, oh, I'm va- I am like, I'm going to do these, whatever, I'm going to love myself, I'm going to take a bath because I'm valuable. Mm-hmm. Or it really might be like, you know, like, just like for myself, lately, I've been really wanting to play my fiddle again. And I've been picking it up. And it's like, Oh, it feels so good. Even just for like two minutes, it still oh. feels so good. And, you know, there was a time maybe when I was would like wait around for like, oh, but I don't have a band to play in it with, you know, or I don't right. have somebody to play with, Um, even though I do because I have Brett. But you know what I'm saying. So <laughs> there's always a reason. And a lot of times when the inner critic is at play or the person outside of us is at play, we will come up with reasons why we can't do it. Or like, that's not going to bring me money. So I should, why am I bothering to, but you don't know what's going to bring you money. You know, you don't know. And by, but following your impulse is worth all the money in the world, because that's going to lead you to your higher truth, to your higher path, to what you really want to be doing, to why you're here in the first place, which is, I'm not trying to say like, I, you know, if you're in a hard circumstance, I'm not trying to say money doesn't matter. I would never say that. Of course, money is important. But as far as linking it to your creative pursuits, it's like that part, you don't need to wait for money to appear or someone to tell you you should do it. 
Just do it. Yeah. I'm the new Nike salesperson. <laughs> yeah, I love it. <laughs> so that's so, what I have to say about that. Okay. So that's so such a great lead-in because yeah. this is, again, aligned, very aligned. Ah. So now it's time for Practical Magic. So, um, so the moon was new last night. This is Monday. For if I'm acting like this is Monday when we're recording, but <laughs> <laughs> you're listening, you may be listening on Monday, or you may be listening some other time during the week. But either way, the moon was new on Sunday night, and um, so there's been like an energy reboot. The energy is now growing, and there's a window, a portal to new beginnings and planting seeds. And when I tuned in this week, it really felt like following your joy, like aligning your purpose mm. with your joy. Yeah. And also like with also with kindness. I also was feeling like all of it, it's all connected. Your own joy, your sense of expansion, where how you wanna be in the world, what you wanna offer, and what you wanna offer with kindness. So I know like I know there has been criticism of like being of service, that phrase, being of service, mm. how do you wanna be of service? But to me, that phrase is really inspiring um, when it's not when it's not something where you think of like, how do you want to sacrifice or be a martyr or like right. be drained or do something that isn't in alignment with yourself. But yeah. we as humans love to support other humans we love and animals. We love to help. We love that feeling of being helpful. And so all of like merging all of this of and, and not having not needing your not thinking like oh my life path would be playing the fiddle or my life path would right, be being exactly. a psychologist it's like your life path is so much more than any one activity those activities come from the life path so and and this like last week we talked about getting rid of extras creating space and i feel like Really creating space is creating space for that feeling of like just your primal energy, personal energy, like how does it want to be in the world? And then knowing like when you tap into you are a divine being, you're lovable exactly as you are, you're connected to the divine, then, you know, that in itself, like that, then you start to be, you just are already embodying your purpose. So mm -hmm. then anything you do, you, that you feel like doing that comes from a sense of authenticity or even something you feel like you have to do. Like maybe we, I think we often, all of us have things that we don't, like I wouldn't love to do my taxes or whatever, like, but yeah. today's tax day or what, it is this week, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Well, um, they extended it a month. Oh, okay. Uh, so, you know, even those things that we don't necessarily think we love to do or even want to do, like if you can just remember to have compassion for yourself and love yourself and remember that all of your actions, you can put love into them and put devotion, like devotion to the divine, to the infinite and a sense of deep kindness. Like it's just that that's also energizing. So Thinking of that this week, you might light a pink candle. Pink candle mm. seems like the right color to me. It's aligned with the heart chakra, and it just feels like a sweet, energizing, healing color. You could work with a rose quartz um, and light the candle, kind of just get in touch with 
your sense of what you want to offer in alignment with your divine self and your self-love and set that intention and then yeah and take action on putting that love and that kindness that offering into any sort of thing that you want to start i love it all right well let's Time do housekeeping our housekeeping before we pick a card um so you can find me at highestlighthealing.com you can schedule a session with me on there or um look at my classes and or you could do both um and i'm on instagram and facebook at highest light healing and you can find us at magicmondaypodcast.com on magic monday podcast listeners and on facebook magic monday pod on facebook magic monday podcast on instagram and you can find me at testwhitehurst.com. That's where you can find spells and rituals and guided meditations. Sign up for my newsletter. And you can find me on Instagram at Tess4444, on Twitter at Tess Whitehurst, on Facebook at Tess Whitehurst Author, and on YouTube at Tess Whitehurst. All right. Um, I'm going to pick this week from um, Beyond... Lumeria, which is the deck that I got from the latest Goddess Provisions box. It's really pretty. Um, What are you picking from? From Cosmic Dancer Oracle. Oh, who's that? My very own. I wrote it. I co-wrote it. Great. And it's very beautiful. Thank you. I'm always tempted to use it, but I know that you are going to, so I don't. But... It's great. Okay, so I drew Tap into Primal Power, which is so Aries. It's like connect to that. I feel like it's what I was talking about, like really connecting to that aspect of you. I mean, this Tap into Primal Power also has to do with tapping into the earth and and then letting that energy propel you um yeah yeah oh boy this is we are very in line oh it appears that your life or some area of your life has become stagnant stuck or overly predictable to get things moving you must let go of the need to control tap into your fiery passion and enjoy the liberation that comes from expressing your wild and untamed nature in this way you will reconnect with your primal power which is a source of unlimited creativity and fulfillment whether you can feel it or not there is a burning need within you to bring forth something specific perhaps it's a career a business a creative endeavor a conscious upgrade in any life area or another bold and positive new step you will discover what this is or gain clarity on how to move forward when you reconnect with the raw force of your inner fire. It is no longer sustainable to tiptoe, play nice, or give away your power in any way. Own who you are. Stop apologizing for what you want and allow your words and deeds to flow from your deepest and most primal self right this very minute. I love it. Yeah. Okay, I got Earth Star Chakra Initiation. What? Yeah, awesome. I know. Awesome. <laughs> you are standing at a gateway into the unknown with trust in your heart, ancient remembering in your soul, and inner illumination to light the way. Ugh, I love it when it's just exactly what we're talking I know. about. 
You have access to the seat of creation, the spark of existence, and the codes that hold the blueprints for who and what we are. And we were talking about codes earlier. This place is clear and grounded, despite moving through multidimensional realms and able to bridge worlds while functioning in physical reality. The higher you reach for the divine and the realms of spirit, and more important, the more the higher you reach for the divine and the realms of spirit, the more important it is to anchor deeply to the earth. This is great. Amazing. Amazing. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. What? Crying? Who is this?